When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, a typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Morning hookup on ESPN Lincoln. You're the best singer. Welcome in the morning, hook up! Bill Hooks, Will Wilson, happy hook day! What a great way to start. What a great way to start. I, I want to go into what the uh, conversations we were just having. Those were amazing because it is that time of the year. It is Christmas movie time. Will Wilson is getting his headset put on. Uh, before we get to that, I'll let you know. We have Robin Washer here in about five minutes. We'll get a chance to talk to Robin. A lot of hoops. Go back to the Creighton game. Indiana-Purdue right ahead of us. We're going to talk about another assistant coach that might, one that might have been, has, or will be retained. There's a lot of reactions to that one after this is coming out. Yeah. Also, Nebraska got their first commit. Oh, really? I, I, did, I did not see that. We'll talk about that. West Trending at 10. And around 10 20, 10 30, somewhere in there, we're going to go through the bowl games. We'll give Will a chance uh, to look at what bowl games he's most excited to watch because there's some intriguing matchups. And a whole lot of you. 402 466 3776. 402 466 ESPN. Tweet us at ESPN Hooksy at Willie on the radio. We'll have a lot of fun today. And it's Wednesday. Yeah, buddy. What is going on? I don't know. Uh, so, boss man came in, and we got going on some conversations. And I, it takes me, and it doesn't, um, I, I will set this. There's a lot of people out there that once Thanksgiving is over, the next day, the Friday, it is Christmas time, and it is 1,000 miles an hour for Christmas. Shopping, decorating, the candles, the candy that gets laid out, like you name it. Right, the movies, everything. My wife, love her. She is Christmas, the day after. Yeah, yeah. Decorating. She is nonstop watching Hallmark Christmas movies. Hallmark. All the fairy tales that happen every night. Hallmark. I mean, it is everything Christmas. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, it takes me a little while to get going to do it. It takes me a little while. And so I was telling you guys last night, I'm a huge A Christmas Story fan. You like, love that movie. You like the original. The original. I yeah. love it. I know on TBS they run the marathon. Like, I could just watch it. 
It is my favorite Christmas movie. <laughs> Next to the one tradition that me and my wife have had for over 15 years. White Christmas. No, gosh, no. We, whoa, 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 whoa. That's Slow okay. your jets. Not for me. White Christmas is a great movie. That's a great movie, but not for me. Every Christmas Eve night, kids go to bed. This has been going on for maybe 20 years, and I've been married 22. Okay? Yeah, 22. I didn't think about that. 23 is coming up. Every year, Christmas Eve, the kids go to bed, we pour a couple cocktails, and we watch Die Hard. <laughs> That's just a done deal. You know what's happening. Oh, uh, yeah. Everything's done. Now, yeah, I Kids know, in bed, the kids put out the milk, the cookies, the carrots for the reindeer, all that reindeer food out in the yard, whatever. Now, I know what you're trying to do here. You're trying to get me to say Die Hard no, isn't a Christmas that's a movie. Big, that's a and I'm not difference say of opinion. That. It is. It's just our tradition. It happens. It doesn't matter what time. Once the last kid is in bed and they're asleep, boom, Bruce Willis, let's get it. Crown and die. Happens. I love that. So last night again, I'm a oh, I'm a huge Christmas story fan, um, and the kids were talking about the new Christmas story story. Yeah, they came out with a new one. A new one. And yeah. It's on HBO Max, by the way. And I did not have the HBO Max, but I wanted to watch this movie, so I'm on in on HBO Max for right now for a seven day free trial. You cheap ass. But I don't know. Also, I do know that I've been encouraged uh, by um, the coaching staff, our Sox coaches, that I'm supposed to watch Game of Thrones. I've not seen it yet. Oh, I haven't either. And it's only on HBO Max. Yeah, I'm probably not going to get now to that. No, I probably have to keep the subscription, I guess, for a little while. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there's, there's, there's also some good stuff on there. Right? Yeah. The Newsroom is a show I like. Yeah, so it's going to open up a new world, I guess, for me. I still got to watch, I believe it's on HBO Max, the Showtime Laker thing, right? You haven't watched that nope, yet? Nope, not yet. I didn't have HBO Max. Oh, man. Uh, dude. Cheap. Oh, you got to watch that. That is I was amazing. Cheap. I love that. So we watched it last night. It was pretty good. Nothing, I heard good nothing about compares it. to the original, okay? Nothing. Right. But I will tell you this. If you're a Christmas Story fan and you don't have HBO Max, maybe go get the seven-day free trial. Give this one a shot. It's about an hour and 45 minutes long. And I want to say five to seven of the original cast are in the movie. How? Aren't they aren't half no, of them dead? Remember that? No. They're, they're probably my age. Shut look. up. What was that guy's name? <laughs> Let me look. Oh, God. I gotta look now. So is it is it a new story or is it do they just remake the old movie? You know what I mean? No, it's a new story. It's a new story, okay. New story. I'm looking up cast. Peter Billingsley. Let's see. How old is he? Peter Billingsley played it. Peter Billingsley? Yes. Born in nineteen seventy one. He's like six years older than I am. He's like fifty one years old. What, the dad? No, not the dad. The son. Ralphie. Ralphie. Okay. Ralphie. Well, that makes sense. But Yeah, like, the dad The dad has, rest in peace, he has passed away. I was going to say, yeah. He, I would say who has not? The mom. Really? Let's go. What was, okay. Ralphie's 51 years old. Peter Billingsley, by the way. Okay. Okay, there are a few other characters within the show as well. I encourage you, go take a peek at it. Melinda Dillon, I think. Oh, well, yeah, what is her age? She's probably in her 80s. 70s, 80s? Uh, she is, well, I don't know. Whatever. There are like, again, I can't remember. But like, there's like five to seven of the, of the really um, integral part characters of the original Christmas story that are in the Christmas story story. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you're not the first one. I, I've heard some people say good things about that new movie. So, so I, I watched it last night. Last night I watched 
new documentary. Yeah, on I Netflix. got. It. I'm going to watch this one. You and you need to watch it with your kids because I think they'll like it. Okay, uh, it's called Pepsi. Where's my fighter jet? That is amazing. So tell me about it real quick. Oh, it's it's great. Apparently, back in like the '90s, Pepsi was doing all these weird promotional things, and they they came up with Pepsi points. I'm sure you know this was before me, but I'm sure you listening. You you probably Dude, remember. we used to get the like the bottle tops all the time. Yeah, there we, used to be like rewards sometimes underneath bottle tops of like Pepsi Coke, whatever. That's basically what this was. Yeah, you're in points and stuff. Yeah, you get points, and then you can. Or sometimes you'd be like a free pop, free yeah. pop, whatever. Well, I mean, so basically, more. I don't want to give it away, but yep. I mean, this guy somehow got seven million dollars, seven million points, because if he got seven million points, according to Pepsi, he would have won a Harrier jet. Uh, yeah. And so he got seven million points, and so I'm not going to spoil it, but don't you, spoil you need it. to go, go watch it. All right, it's it's kind of it. weird the turns this uh, documentary takes. That one in uh, the Bossman also gave us one. It's called Flash Flash of Genius. Yeah. Apparently there was a gentleman out there that developed whatever component for the rain sensing delayed windshield wipers, and apparently Ford stole it. And this is this the documentary and the story of him fighting Ford. Yeah, I do want to watch that. Things we're learning. Let's let's give Robin Wash it a call. It's about that time. Oh, I forgot. We yeah. have Robin today. No, we were fired up. Yeah, we were just talking Christmas movies. Robin Washit. We got to talk Rob Washit. I we'll talk fantasy football with Washit too. I did beat him this week, but I didn't like the way I beat him. He uh he had Lamar Jackson on his team. Ooh. Yikes. It was still close by the way because um I think we probably had one of the two best teams in the whole thing in there. But I had a negative 13 for my defense. <laughs> And a negative five for my head coach. I had 18 negative points, and I still won. But it was he had Lamar Jackson go out as well. But he also had Trevor Lawrence on his bench as well. But he just made a massive deal, too. Trying to get better. Collusion. Collusion. Collusion! Yep. We're going to... Robin Washington, you're on the morning hookup. What's happening? What's up, brother? Just grinding every day. Yeah, we are just talking a little fantasy football, and I think we have one word for you. Right, Will? We have one word. You can play it for him. Oh, yeah. It's this word one right One word for you. Collusion! Fantasy. Yep, done. <laughs> yes, that's the, the key uh, um, accusation of, accusation of uh, our commissioner, because he's always working to basically spoil the league so that he wins it. Every single year, even though he finally won for like the first time in twenty years last year. Yeah, can he just sit back like the uh, you know like the Rams and just enjoy it? <laughs> well, he kind of did. Uh, he basically sold his uh, his season to me for uh, a couple draft picks. So yeah, I saw that. That's a good. Yeah, that's making money moves right there. You know, I'm, I'm speaking of the Rams. I'm going all in. I'm basically forfeiting my future to go all in on this year. So better work. Probably me and you both at this point. Yep, you know, you and I are just going to get our first-round picks in the fifth. Yeah. You know, just basically sit around, watch everybody take all the good players, and let's, yeah. let's enjoy the process. Yeah, I did tell him that I did beat you this week, but I don't. I didn't like the way it happened because uh, you had Lamar Jackson go out early. Don't know what his situation is for a couple weeks. And then you had Trevor Lawrence as well, what, play half the game? Yeah, so, I mean, if I even got like a, a below-average game out of Lamar, it would have been right in there, but, you know. Luck of the draw. Yeah, I just didn't feel good about it, but it happened. Um, it's for the better of the league right now because now we're both uh, being talked about with collusion because obviously the, the trade I made with Nick and now you with the commissioner. Well, like you said, you know, big 
Scared money don't make no money. That's so right. That's we're, right. We're all in. Baller, baller's going to ball. That's all there is to it. Right. So, That's hey, right. Robin, let's talk some hoops, man. I got a big week coming up for Nebraska. But I want to go back uh, to Sunday and more. Like, we'll talk about the game. But you've been covering Nebraska basketball a lot, and uh, what was it like for you? Because there's not been a lot of positive stuff to write in, in, you know, recently, but especially when you go back and say, well, Nebraska beat Creighton, and you happened to be there. How was that for you? Yeah, been the first time since I've been uh, on the beat in a full-time capacity that that's happened. Because uh, I started in 2008 with uh, – with uh, Husker Online, and uh, clearly uh, it's been nothing but losses up in Omaha since then. Um, you had to follow back to 04 the last time they won there, and 95 the last time they won there in a regular season game. So uh, a long time coming on that one. Uh, certainly a stunning development for pretty much everyone. I think Nebraska was even surprised how well they played, but all the things that they needed to do, to win that game, uh, they did it and did it uh, almost as perfectly as they could. Their defense was as good as we've ever seen it under Fred Hoiberg. Um, the two-man game on offense between Greasel and Walker was fantastic. Um, and they had no answer for Derek Walker in the post. and uh, Those Creighton guards had no answer for Sam Greasel when he was just backing them down. Uh, it was kind of like a YMCA, like two-on-two game <laughs> a lot of the times where uh, you know the, the old crafty vets took it to the – the, the young bucks that just want to shoot threes. And so it was, uh, you know, for Nebraska fans, that was a, a game that won't soon be forgotten. And it was really cool to hear, you know, guys like Sam Greasel, who understands that drought, that losing streak as well as anybody. You know, he grew up uh, basically from the day he knew what a basketball was, room for Nebraska basketball. And uh, he, he knew what that rivalry meant to the program and what it means in the state. And, you know, his one opportunity uh, in this series to go up to Omaha and do something that hadn't been done since he was four years old, uh, that was a pretty special thing. <laughs> Creighton lost to Nebraska. That is it just has a nice ring to that it. That is awesome. Uh, Robin, talk lost a little bit. Lost by double digits. Make, make sure you do that. Yeah, lost double, by double digits. digits at home to an unranked Nebraska team as the seventh grade team in the nation. Done. And, and their it. fans left before that. Yeah, and they were yelling yeah, at they were, kids. Yeah, they were clearing out early. They were yelling at kids on the way out. It's terrible. Yeah, they were. I saw that, too. I have video evidence. Uh, we're talking to Robin Washett. Robin, talk a little bit about Derek Walker, because, of course, him and Sam went off in that game. But how has Derek Walker changed this team since he came back? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious. Uh, with him on the floor, they're a different team. Um, and a lot of it is his production inside. Um, you know, He's been scoring double figures, I think, every game since he's been back. Um, and so that, that part of it has been a huge boost. But um, just his ability to facilitate the offense out of the high post has made everybody else better as a result. You know, Sam Greasel is the first guy you point to. Um, you know, for Sam to be able to work off the ball and not have to be the primary distributor on every single possession, uh, that's that's been a big boost for him to where he's getting back involved as as a scoring threat, um, which you know he really wasn't doing nearly enough of uh, while Derek, like right before Derek got out, so or got back, I should say. Uh, so you know, I mean, it just goes all the way around to where not just Sam, but you know, when Derek's out there um, as a threat uh, to, to to do what he does. In the high post, that that pulls bigs away from the rim. And so, look at Creighton. You know, Ryan Kalkbrenner, seven foot one, one of the best shot blockers in the country. He couldn't just stand under the basket, and they, Creighton couldn't just pack the lane because they had to step out and account for Derek um, as a passer and as a playmaker off the dribble. 
and that created uh, a lot of backdoor cuts and um, paths to the rim that wouldn't have been there had Derek not been able to draw out Kalkbrenner, um, you know, away from the hoop. So uh, it's there's this, the scoring and the rebounding that you know jump off the stat sheet, but there's little things like that and the ripple effect that Derek Walker causes for Nebraska's offense um, has, has really changed the entire dynamic of this team. You know, also you look at the you know the. Um... The, the kids that are, you know, the players on this team, but also, I mean, I, I think we'd be remiss not to talk about the staff and how Fred has found a way to change his way to what he's doing, not used to. This is not what Fred usually does, especially from an offensive perspective, but also the addition, I believe, Adam Howard coming in and getting these kids to commit to tough. I, I'm calling it right now the other night, that was elite defense. That's some of the best defense you're going to see in the entire country. Uh, but I think we can give some credit to those guys, changing their ways and bringing in a guy like that that has this team committed to doing it the way they're doing it. Yeah, I mean, that starts with Fred and his willingness to take on an approach that he's never used in his entire coaching career. Um, he even admitted that there were times, you know, especially when Derek was on the bench with foul trouble, that they were just trying to milk the clock, take the air out of the ball, and you know, just trying to drain as much time as possible to get to the next media timeout. And he said that that pained him, you know, as, as a player, as a mm-hmm. coach. Like he never played that way, but now. Uh, I think he's learned that you know, in order for Nebraska to be competitive in the Big Ten, they need to adapt to Big Ten style of play, and they've done that finally. They finally have front court depth. They finally have veteran leadership at the point guard position. Um, you know, and the shooting still is uh, very much a work in progress, mm-hmm. but you know, the the commitment to defense, commitment to rebounding. The unselfish play um, to where literally any given night you can have a guy, a different guy, score in double figures and, and lead the team in points. Um, that's something that just hasn't been there at all since Fred has been here. And so um, you know, it started with him accepting that change. And then the next step was getting coaches that um, can, you know, I guess, further teach and push that change and Adam Howard is a perfect example of that. Nate Lenzer, um, you know, he's been one of Fred's right hand men for a while, uh, and he's as active as anybody with mm-hmm. as far as the on court teaching and, and practice and uh, game planning and whatnot. Um, and you know, I guess uh, Ernie Ziegler's in that conversation as well. Um, so you know that that staff shakeup, the way that he kind of you know, re- revamped his entire coaching staff from where it was even a couple of years ago, shows that you know he was willing to do whatever was necessary to, to make this new vision work. And, you know, again, they're, they're far from perfect. Um, you know, they, they need to play at an extremely high level defensively. They have to be able to rebound at an extremely high level for them to be competitive. Um, but they're doing that. And that commitment and that willingness to, to do everything necessary um, in all the areas besides scoring – has allowed them to have the success that they've had the last three games, and um, it was the exact formula they needed to finally beat Creighton. Um, you know, when they tried to play Creighton's game in the last three years, they got smoked. And now they tried something different, and they went with more of a slow it down, uh, you know, gritty style of play. And Creighton didn't know what to do with it. And so that uh, you know, I think is going to be beneficial for them going even into tonight, uh, into Saturday, you know, against these top tier teams in the Big Ten. Nebraska's finally starting to play like them, as opposed to trying to play like Iowa State in the early 2000s. Uh, you know, now they're playing Nebraska Big Ten style of basketball, and I'm going to be very curious to see how much of a difference that makes in their success in the league 
uh, you know, compared to what it's been the last three years. Yeah, Robin, real quick before we uh, get to Indiana, I was kind of looking at that box score from Creighton, and, you know, Juwan Garrity, 5 for 5, 12 points, had 9 rebounds. Uh, you know, Bandamil, 4 points. But, you know, what I'm, try- what I'm wondering is, with Walker back, does it kind of take pressure off some of these guys like Gary and Bandamel and Wiltshire to kind of not be the guy to have to score every second? Yeah, I mean, uh, with Gary, he needed to kind of tone down his shot collection a little <laughs> bit. He was shooting way too much. And so that an efficient line like that where, you know, he's nearing double figures and only taking five shots, that's, that's ideal. And then his work on the boards, his defensive rebounding was phenomenal. And so that – uh, that's what he needs to be. You know, he was, he needs to stop having games where he's shooting eight or nine three pointers like he was doing earlier in the year. But the reason he was doing that was because, to your point, um, their offense was so limited and what they could do in the half court that a lot of times they had to settle for shots like that. And you now he's a okay three point shooter, but he's not nearly the type of shooter that needs to have that many attempts from behind the arc. So having Derek Walker back has, you know, limited some of the dependence or uh, opportunities for Juwan to shoot those shots, and I think it's made him a better player. And then, you know, Emmanuel, you know, he's going to get his games where he scores points, but what he does, what his value is is as the lead uh, perimeter defender. You saw what he did against Ryan Nemhart against Creighton, who, go back to last year's game, Ryan Nemhart took that game over. He had 22 points, five assists, uh, and basically dictated the pace from start to finish every second that he was on the floor and allowed Creighton to play its brand of basketball and uh, really just overwhelm Nebraska from the jump. Well, what did he do Sunday? You know, five points, three of ten shooting, four turnovers. And a lot of that was because Emmanuel Bandemel took him out of the equation to where they were not. They, Creighton had two fast break points, mm-hmm. two, zero in the first half. For Creighton to only have two fast break points is a – incredible testament to nebraska's work defensively you can look at the rebounding and the shooting percentage but that the fact that they didn't let creighton turn that game into a track meet uh is probably key number one for them to have a chance and they did that at about as exceptional of a level as you can think of and emmanuel bandamel was the forefront of why that happened he took the head off the snake and allowed uh made made somebody else have to do it for creighton and nobody else stepped up for him we got Robin Washington, com with us on the morning hookup. Robin, now another tall task. We you know it's December. We already talked about what's in front of them, but they got that first one done. Uh, but tonight you got to go to Bloomington, and it's a tall task. Uh, Indiana, very tough team. Uh, you got a former Nebraska signee sitting there at the point guard, Xavier Johnson. Uh, but tonight you're also going to have one of the best players in the country and possibly the best player in the Big Ten, and uh, Trace Jackson Davis, who you got to defend. Uh, do we expect kind of the similar game plan tonight? Now, because Indiana doesn't, I mean, I don't think they shoot the three all that well, but they'll shoot it. Uh, but you got to figure out a way to limit uh, Jackson's touches and points. Yeah, they shoot almost 53% uh, as a team, and a lot of that is because of the work they do in the paint. Mm-hmm. Starts with Jackson Davis. Um, he's averaging you know around 18 points a game. And you go back and what he's done against Nebraska, oh. <laughs> I mean, he's dominated them. I mean, like 25 points, 15 rebounds, four blocks type of games to where he's completely taken the game over. But I think the difference this time is Nebraska actually has a front court, at least size, that can 
counter that. And it's not just Trace Jackson Davis. They got Race Thompson, too, who uh, is another physical, aggressive foreman that uh, helps Indiana dominate the boards and, uh, you know, really score in the paint at a, <laughs> as well as any team in the conference. So that's where it starts for Nebraska. The recipe has to be the same because that's, that's the way Nebraska is going to win. Um, that, that style you saw on Sunday uh, is, is their recipe for success. And so that has to travel. Um, it has to go to Indiana. It has to come back home against Purdue because that's, that's going to give them a chance. Um, if they play with that level of defensive effort and are as efficient as they were offensively, that's the recipe. But, you know, doing that against Creighton and doing that against Indiana are much different animals where now you're playing Indiana's game. And you know, Indiana loves to play bully ball, where they have big physical guards. And obviously, you talked about their front court. Uh, that's going to be a much different challenge than it was Sunday, to where Derek Walker's not just going to be able to put a shoulder into Trace Jackson Davis and expect him to back down like Kalkbrenner did. You know, and it's, they're going to have to, you know, really uh, commit themselves in every aspect to. Uh, winning 50-50 balls, uh, the rebounds are going to be as critical as anything. Indiana's, like I said, a really good mm-hmm. rebounding team. Um, and, but Nebraska has been really good as well. And that's going to be a defining point in this game where if you let Indiana get multiple opportunities um, on every possession, you're, you're in for a long night. Uh, but if you can limit them to one shot and done and convert at an efficient level on the other end, then you got a chance. So that, that's, that's got to be the recipe. Um, for Nebraska, but again, we'll, we'll see how that formula works against a team that thrives on playing that exact same style. Hey, Robin, how do you think uh, uh, they'll defend Indiana tonight, especially with that low post presence, the rebounding? Because one of the things that has you know, hindered Walker, I mean, he's had great games, I'm not taking anything away from him, but has hindered him has been foul trouble in, mm-hmm. you know, in first halves because that'll be key tonight uh, is how, do, how, we, you know, how we defend that and do it without fouling. Yeah, that's that's the critical component. Um, you know, it's one thing to defend physically; it's another to do it without fouling. And for the most part, Nebraska's been as good as any team in the country at doing that. But uh, you know, we saw what happens when when Derek gets in foul trouble mm-hmm. and has to sit the bench. Nebraska struggles, you know, especially offensively. So uh, that's an absolute vital key. Um, you know, maybe they'll do something where you know you play multiple bigs where Derek's maybe playing some four and not not the only big out there. That way you can have Blaze or Wilhelm or, or whoever, um, you know, bodying up Jackson Davis a little bit more to try to just take those foul opportunities off, off Derek's plate. Because you need his defense, but you especially need his offense. And so I think that there's ways to do certain matchups to where you know Indiana's going to go to Jackson Davis, maybe have somebody else um, – you know, take the take the brunt of that defensive assignment, and then also double as much as possible to where somebody else is shooting the ball besides besides Jackson Davis. And you know, they do have Miller Cop, who's a really good three point shooter. I think he had five threes the other night against mm-hmm. Rutgers. Um, so that's you, know, you have to account for that element. But it's like like every game in the Big Ten, you kind of got to pick your poison, and you cannot let Indiana take the game over in the paint because otherwise you won't stand a chance. I think your your best opportunity is to make them have to beat you from the three-point line. If they hit them, you know, I guess oh, that's <laughs> that's the deal. But if they don't hit them, then uh, all of a sudden you got a defensive recipe that uh, could could win you the game. Hey, Robin, have you ever been up to Assembly Hall? 
Yep, I went a few years ago. Um, I can't remember what year it was, maybe 16. It was uh, the right before my daughter was born. I was like, well, this is probably the last chance I'm going to go be able to just take a road trip because I had to drive. That's a long drive, by mm, the way. That's like hole. 10 hours. So I don't know if I'll ever do that again. But uh, it's cool, super cool venue. Um, and I, I get why it's considered one of the cathedrals of college basketball. I mean, it just, just has that feel to it. Um, basketball in the state of Indiana is a different different thing. It's like football in Texas, you know, high school football in Texas. Like it's it's a it's a lifestyle out there, and you you feel that when you walk into that arena. And it's like a unique setup to where behind the baskets, it's like just student bleachers, and it only goes up, you know, uh, you know, a twenty thirty rows. But then on the sides, they just like go they tower up to where that's a seventeen thousand seat arena. Uh, and you, you wouldn't necessarily know it from the floor, but um, when they get into it, that that that's one of the most difficult places to play in the country. So it's uh, if you ever anybody ever gets a chance to go out there and see a game, I highly recommend. Yeah, I've been there. It's crazy. It can get loud and uh, a lot of history there. So, hey, Robin, I want to ask you this. It's been interesting. Obviously, uh, Nebraska uh, put out a they put out the video of uh, I think Gary and Bandemel getting black shirts. There's been a ton of reaction to that. On like, I heard some people the other day or yesterday talking about, oh, that's for football, blah blah blah. You have a take on it? I thought it was I thought it was a cool piece for Trev to uh, to identify that team. Yeah, I like the idea behind it. Um, you know, it's something unique, and those two were the first ever non-football Nebraska student athletes to to earn black shirts. I did think that you know maybe they could have giving him a basketball jersey instead of like football yeah. jerseys or at least like <laughs> he's like we have, the, put their act, he's like, we have these leftover we have these leftover because nobody else was yeah to like put their actual numbers on the jersey if anything but like i don't know so like the execution sure you can probably criticize it a little bit but i think the idea behind it is pretty cool because it it further goes to this commitment to a different style of play to where you know, for the first time ever, Nebraska's rewarding defense. You know, I, I go back, it wasn't nearly as big of a deal, but Tim Miles used to give out the, the Gata belt to mm-hmm. get after their ASS belt. Uh, so the guy that, whoever was like the, the biggest grinder, you know, hustle play, um, you know, dirty work type guy would get the, the Gata belt. And so that uh, is kind of a similar deal to where now if you're, you were rewarded in a, you know, unique, cool, public way, uh, for a commitment to something that usually doesn't get rewarded, so I, I, I like that part of it. But again, you know, I you could probably do something like maybe give a basketball jersey or, or something. You know, like I, I don't know. But, but the the, the um, thought behind it, I think, is pretty cool. Hey, I want to ask you also about this team because I think you're seeing like uh, personalities. And Fred talked about this would be a team that hopefully everyone would be proud of, not just to, not just to watch, but also the the young men that they are um i thought it was really cool was it Vandemel yesterday when he uh when he talked that he took the time to shake all you guys' hands yeah yeah that's that's manny bando for you he's a good dude and that was one of the things that i'd heard before he even committed was like he's like just a an exceptional person you know he's already graduated he's getting his master's and so like he's uh like class act person and then also a pretty good basketball player as well so that's another example. Um, you know, you see guys like that, like Derek Walker is like just one of the most genuinely nice people you're going to meet. Sam Greasel, same way. Uh, Emmanuel Bandemel, same way. 
you know, even guys, Casey Tomanaga is like the most like positive, like infectious guy to where like you see him and you smile and you're going to smile. So, I mean, like there's, there's a whole bunch of guys like that, that are easy to root for. And, you know, Jawan Gary is, uh, people were screaming, I love you, Gary, in his yep. very first game at Pinnacle Bank Arena. So, I mean, like there's uh, a lot of guys that, like I said, fans can get behind and it's a lot easier to do when they play well and they play with that type of effort and you know they're competing and not completely embarrassing the fan base like previous teams have in the past so you know i think that's what fred was getting at from the jumps like this is a different group there's a different character uh and makeup off the court to this roster than maybe some of the other teams before uh, Robin, when two uh, NFL teams play and they tie, do you feel like it's a complete waste of a time that you just spent? Yes, absolutely. Especially waste. when those two are going head to head for a playoff spot, like it really just—it's basically just like a, a pass. Like, like, like I just got skipped in Uno. It's like, oh, cool, <laughs> great. I got skipped in Uno. <laughs> That's yeah, perfect. So that, they didn't do. Much. I mean, like, I guess they didn't lose, but like, it's just like, okay, cool. What? Awesome. I'm glad I spent my Sunday doing that. Good news is I didn't have to watch much of it because I was yeah. going up to Omaha. Well, and these two teams, they get a chance to do it again in a couple weeks, too, which would be fun. Yeah, how cool is that where uh, the commanders get to play us and have a bye week and then get to play us again. Meanwhile, we have to play the Eagles this week. That's fun. I like Thank you, NFL. Thank you, NFL. So. All right, Rob, man, we appreciate you, man. Uh, take care of yourself, and let's hope that uh, we get that dubbed, and it'd be fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, if nothing else, you know, we, you know, this team is going to bring the effort. But you know, they let's just see if how that style that they used to so much success against Creighton translates against a team that that wants to play the exact same way. I won't tell you, but everybody, you can go to huskerline dot com and read uh, Robin's uh, game day uh, article. It's at all the ins and outs of it. I will tell you, I won't tell you the score because you have to go read it. Robin has the Huskers covering tonight. That's all I'll tell you. I do. Thirteen and a half points. Thirteen and a half points. He has Nebraska covering. How about that. So, all right, Robin. Appreciate it, brother. We'll talk to you soon, my man. Yeah, we'll see you. Robin, Robin. com. Good stuff, man. That's a positive hoops conversation with Robin. Who would have thought? Who <laughs> would have thought, man? Who would have so, thought? Good stuff. Yeah, go read his article. It's got everything you know about the game day today, okay? At number 14, Indiana. 7.30 tonight, Big Ten Network. I know we got to hit a break, but yeah, we do. What, what were you reading about? What were people saying about the black shirts? Oh, there were some uh, other um, personalities that are on the radio that thought it was a disgrace. Those black shirts, we earned those on the field. We're former blah, blah, blah. That, that Trev messed up, and he's upset. They're upset. Oh, God. I, that's, those are for football. They don't know what it's like. If anything, the players, like, I don't know what they were thinking, but if anything, the players were probably were maybe like, we're, well, ba- you, we're basketball players. Trev is like, a black shirt. He understands. He was just, I thought he was rewarding defense. Again, I'm not going to dog the former player black shirts. It just was a take that was on some some other airwaves that were like, all right, I don't know what it's like, but this is a cool gesture for Trev, former black shirt. I agree with Rob. It could have been a basketball jersey or whatever, right? But it's expanding what it means to play defense at Nebraska throughout the athletic program. I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, it was. It was different. It was different. Yeah. So, All right, let's take a break. Uh, speaking of Nebraska, we're going to talk football. There's an assistant coach that might be retained. We'll get your reactions and a whole lot more when we come back.